Network Entertainment. Okay, so you self-sabotage when things are going well. Do you believe you deserve good things or are you just saying that? When was the last time you talked yourself out of a good thing? That to accept some opportunity, become someone's boyfriend or girlfriend, or simply just dream, dream big about your life, that would somehow make you feel like a fraud. Why me? What if I mess it all up? What, why would that happen for someone like me? How could this possibly work out? Who am I to be deserving? Even if your history shows that things in life, in hindsight, have actually worked out in your favor, you'll still have bouts of self-doubt. And you'll think of all the ways a new opportunity or responsibility or relationship is somehow beyond your reach. No matter how much success you've achieved, you're still struck with that feeling of anxiety that, you know, I think this time, I actually might not be good enough. One of the earliest studies on imposter syndrome, or the imposter phenomenon, as the study labeled it, suggested that it was a concept prevalent mostly to high-achieving women. Turns out, though, more recent data shows that women and men experience imposter syndrome just the same. Okay, so how does this tie into relationships, Nikki? <laughs> well, I'm about to get to that. Imposter syndrome isn't a typical subject to talk about in the realm of romantic love. But when you replace imposter syndrome with self-sabotage, then now we're getting somewhere. For some, they aren't actually aware that they're doing it too. First off, self-sabotage is a strategy that you consciously or unconsciously employ by behaving in such a way that pushes your partner away or pushes you away from the relationship. Yeah, that sounds completely messed up when you give meaning to the term, right? And yet, people do it, consciously or unconsciously. So here are some quick examples from pop culture. In, in Sex and the City, when Mr. Big called off his wedding to Carrie at the very, very, very last minute because Miranda impulsively advised him the night before to not get married because she had her own marital issues. And so Mr. Big panicked and everything. And that whole scene went down on a New York street. In Queen Charlotte, when George was explicitly telling Charlotte to leave the observatory to hide himself and his condition from his newly wedded wife, you know, the get out, you know. Uh, and then Queen Charlotte's like, I will not go. <laughs> Love that scene. And then there's also Whiplash when Andrew, played by Miles Teller, tells Nicole very bluntly that he's breaking up with her and then explains why it won't work out between them because he's pursuing his drumming passion and he's going to be famous one day. And then he's going to or she's going to resent him for being famous and having no time for her. And then there's also a scene in Grey's Anatomy, which I absolutely love, by the way. There's a scene when Owen distances himself from Christina after there was an incident between the two of them. And he explained to her that he was no good for her and that was why he was pushing her away. Or in his words, letting her off the hook. Now, okay, those are very dramatic examples of self-sabotage in relationships. 
But you might see similarities in much simpler day-to-day examples. So maybe you pictured exactly the kind of partner and relationship you want. And your partner isn't showing up how you want, so you start to criticize them. Maybe they get extra inquisitive after your night out with your friends or how your followers have increased on your socials. Who is guilty of this? Oh my gosh. Starting off like when you guys are dating and then you guys look at the followers and then you, for some reason, your brain will fixate on the number of followers. And then after like a week or like you guys are seeing each other, there's like an uptick. One follower added. Like, it's such a huge like thing it's going to mess with your head right but you can't be all in you know you can't be what do you call this you can't accuse them of like who's this additional one person on your follower it doesn't make sense it's gonna make them that's exactly how you're gonna push them away but then you have that thought that they're seeing other people that's the that's the assumption that you have you're seeing other people And it's hard. It's hard to kind of, you know, try and rationalize what it is because you are getting caught up in the possibility of a relationship. Or if you're in a current relationship, you're getting caught up in that possibility that they might be talking to someone else. So there's also a possibility that you think that the person you're seeing, your partner, they're out of your league physically, financially. And so you start to distance yourself from them because you feel like you're not good enough. You're not enough for them. There's a ton of examples, okay? I can keep going on and on and on. And you can even fill in the blanks yourselves. But there's a ton of examples as to how self-sabotage manifests in relationships. But it usually boils down to a couple layers of fear, which you may or may not believe. The first is a fear of intimacy. Whoa, 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 Nikki. Wait, lang, Nikki. That doesn't make sense. I want connection. I want closeness in a relationship. Okay, well, that's why I said there's a couple layers of fear involved, right? Fear of intimacy lies at the top. Then below that could be an underlying fear of abandonment. So what happens if you have a fear of abandonment? You hold on too tightly in a relationship. It feels like you're suffocating your partner or your partner feels suffocated by, you know, giving too much love, giving too much attention, giving too much care, or just really fixating on even the tiniest things in your relationship because you feel like they will leave you. Another underlying fear could be a fear of vulnerability. Now, how does this look like? Once your partner knows more personal things about you, your history, it gets to that point of intimacy and closeness and, you know, just getting to know one another on a more personal level, they might tuck tail and run because you're afraid of what they'll find out about you and that they might not accept it and will see you differently And so you keep them at arm's length so you don't get to that point of being vulnerable with them. So if you're someone who has a pattern of self-sabotage in relationships, let me ask you this. Do you self-sabotage because you no longer want to be in a relationship? 
or because knowing how the relationship ends actually comforts you. I'm going to ask that again. Do you self-sabotage because you no longer want to be in the relationship or because knowing how the relationship ends actually comforts you? Look, I know how it feels to be down in your luck in dating. Disappointment after disappointment, heartbreak after heartbreak. But little did I know that in some of those relationships, no matter how fleeting they were, I was actually the one breaking my own heart. And newsflash, that's exactly what happens when you self-sabotage in a relationship. So for those who might not be aware and want to know and are curious, what do self-sabotaging thoughts even sound like in your head? What does that voice tell you? Here are some examples. You're not good enough to keep them. You're not pretty enough. You're not handsome enough. Maybe handsome's too formal. You're not cute enough. You're not fit enough to be in a relationship. Why even bother? Your history of relationships and like, you know, broken hearts. That's already the that's already historical data that's telling you that it's not gonna work out. So what do you think? What makes you think that it's gonna work out this time? Do you even deserve to be in a relationship? You're not earning as much as them. You're not at the same level of them as they are in life. They're going to leave you eventually and see that. They're going to see you right through the mask that you put on. You shouldn't even date. You're you're not smart enough. You're not, you know, you're not interesting enough, right? You're trying too hard. They're only saying I love you. They don't really mean it. Those are just some of the things that people with self-sabotaging patterns would think about. And I'm sure there's more. And I'm sure there are even darker ones too. So our minds, they can be our own greatest enemies. And sometimes, especially in self-sabotage, those thoughts speak louder over reason. So we externalize that internal struggle onto someone else. Sometimes you can't just talk yourself into thinking the opposite. Like, Nah, I don't believe that. Nah, I deserve good things. No, I'm a good person. I deserve good things. You can keep saying that all you want, but if at your core you don't even believe that, then that's not even going to work. You're not going to flip the switch that way if it's a core wound that you haven't quite addressed and feeling like there is something wrong with you, which is one of the reasons why you might be self-sabotaging your relationships. Let me put it this way. Self-sabotage is a form of self-abandonment. When you carry wounds from your past, you unknowingly build these protective walls that keep you from getting hurt again. And while they might have been put up with good intentions, what they really are are fear-based strategies that aren't actually there to protect you, but to protect that wound. Because it doesn't want to be scratched. It does not want to be opened up again. It's not you necessarily who wants to open up, but it's because of that experience that you had in your past that somehow you don't want to take a look at it. You don't want to treat it or you don't want to heal it, right? Hi, guys. Uh, we are the Eavesdrop Podcast. My name is Francesca. My name is Jelly. This is Delamar. This is Jude. What's up? Yeah, and we are inviting you to check us out, uh, your fellow TPN podcast. And if you want to learn more about life, what's happening around us, you want to know about love, healing, <laughs> this is the podcast you should be listening to. 
eavesdrop, 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 eavesdrop. <laughs> Sometimes we get drunk and do the show. Those are the fun ones. Like today. Ooh, why? Who's drunk? Like right now. You're red as a bug. Am I? <laughs> eavesdrop, please catch it. Four hosts going crazy. You'll have fun. You'll cry. Everything else. So please check it out. The eavesdrop. Only on the Pod Network. But to know what fears you have and how you got them would require you to look into those experiences, those painful experiences. It can be from past relationships. Sometimes it goes way back or most of the time it actually goes way back into your childhood. And I know at some point it's going to sound annoying that I will keep bringing up childhood experiences, but that is like, you know, psychology for you. There's a lot of things that happened in our childhood that we couldn't quite process and couldn't quite understand so that we carry on to our adult life and still haven't really quite understood it because we didn't know it had an impact on us. So maybe you had emotionally neglectful caregivers who never really showed up when you needed them or had a caregiver who would only show affection and love if you met their expectation. Maybe you also had an experience as a teenager where you weren't accepted in your barcada or in your friend group or in your earlier relationships. You were led to believe that people can't be trusted. That all plays into why you self-sabotage because those strategies are protecting you from getting hurt again. But they're also keeping you from gaining the kind of intimacy and the kind of relationship that you want. So if you're wondering if attachment styles play any part in self-sabotage, the answer is 100% yes. For those who have an insecure attachment, and by that I mean anxious or avoidant, operating on those fears compel you to quote-unquote think ahead because you don't want to be blindsided when the hurt comes. So what do you do? You set yourself up for failure, not success. You set yourself up for failure by manifesting the outcome you believed would happen, which then validates your belief that it never works out for you and that you'll never find a fulfilling relationship. And this, by the way, is known as a self-fulfilling prophecy. It sounds cool, but it works against you and it works against your growth and it works against your goals for a relationship or even your life. Okay, quick story time. Whenever I started dating someone where there was good chemistry and connection and, you know, you could just like, you drive with one another. You guys get along so well. You don't know how, but you just do. You guys are just like laughing all the time. And you also know when to be close and ask those personal questions. Whenever I would feel that way about someone I'm dating, I would always say... As soon as we hit a high point, this is going to hurt. I say that like with complete accuracy every time I get to know someone that I know I'm going to like and like a lot. So we deba. Like yes, there's that, there's that saying that goes begin with the end in mind, but it didn't mean that. 
But I was someone who would use self-deprecation as a way to make people laugh because, you know, so we culture was very relatable and it still is. That is, of course, until I had a moment with a friend of mine. And I cherish this memory with, <laughs> with my close friend. We were having dinner and as usual, I said something self-deprecating and then we laughed it off. But then she says something that just corners me dumbfounds me. She says, Nikki, I know you like to self-deprecate as a joke, but I feel like a part of you actually believes it. In a rare public occurrence, I actually cried in front of her. I'm not joking. I wasn't even expecting to cry in front of her, but she definitely scratched something in my core. Specifically, that core wound that made me feel like I, you know, there was something wrong with me. So whenever I said in, you know, at the start of a relationship, this is going to hurt, I was actually feeding into that fear of abandonment that this is going to end, I will get attached, and they will leave me. I didn't actively know that that was a form of self-sabotage. I couldn't just trust the process. I didn't know how to let go of the outcome because... Do you know how ridiculous it even sounds to suggest someone to to suggest with someone who has an anxious attachment to just let go of the outcome? We don't work well with uncertainty. That's why we have anxiety. <laughs> but in reality, that was what I needed to do. Okay, so how do you get out of that vicious cycle, right? First and foremost is accountability. This might stir some feelings of guilt or shame, but doing an inventory check of your relationship history by figuring out where you sabotaged relationships, whether it was intentionally or unintentionally, that actually lets you take accountability for the mistakes you've made in the past. Because that's just it. It's the past. That was then. This is now. And from there, you take it upon yourself to have the personal responsibility to show up better in relationships now that you know what your sabotaging patterns are. But of course, a shift from self-sabotage can only go so far without improved action. Without that, all you have is self-awareness and reflection, which, let's be honest, it's reassuring to know about someone, but... It's only half-assed if you haven't processed and adapted your patterns to something a little more healthier. Now, there's no easy answer for healing your self-sabotage. If you feel like you're stuck in your past experiences and want to move forward, then you can always seek a professional to help you sort it out. There's also a ton of material on social media, by the way, that you can pick up. But I say this also with a disclaimer that is to rely only on licensed mental health professionals or certified coaches' content when searching for solutions on how to heal your self-sabotage. And when you are going through this journey, try, try your best to not beat yourself up too much. Especially when you feel like progress is slow or if you're regressing. Remember that progress isn't linear and that goes for everyone. So try and practice some self-compassion on your self-talk too. You have the voices in your head, that negative self-talk in your head saying that you're not good enough. Try 
and shift that a day at a time and saying that I can do better. I can be better. I am deserving of a loving relationship. I deserve someone who loves me. I don't have to keep self-sabotaging myself because it does not benefit me. Day by day, try and just think of the ways that you can change that self-talk because it will go a long way, especially when you're so used to talking yourself out of a good thing. Now, I tried Googling what the opposite of self-sabotage was. Surprisingly, there wasn't a clear answer. So I sort of came up with one. And this is just my take on this, which could absolutely be wrong. But I just thought to myself, if self-sabotage means employing behaviors or patterns to push you or your partner away in the relationship, then the opposite of that is employing behaviors and patterns that pull you and your partner closer in the relationship. Then I thought about what that word was, and it actually came out very easily. It's vulnerability. And according to Brené Brown, it takes courage to be vulnerable, to lean into it, especially when it gets uncomfortable. And that's hard because we were taught to believe that vulnerability was weakness, and it was just something that was looked down on for quite some time. So if you're still working yourself up to be vulnerable and trying to unlearn those beliefs about how you should be vulnerable and how important it is in terms of intimacy, then maybe you can try the self-affirmation that Brene tells herself every morning when she wakes up. She says, Today, I choose courage over comfort. Which makes a lot of sense. Because to choose comfort in a relationship means that you are avoiding the difficult things. And sometimes avoiding the difficult things is a part of self-sabotage because you are just sweeping whatever is important to you under the rug. Being vulnerable means that you're not sweeping anything, but you are addressing it because it matters to you. It's important to be vulnerable with your partner because they are pretty much that person who's closest to you and potentially the person that you're going to spend the rest of your life with. Potentially. So to them knowing that side of you helps them understand you better and helps you get to help each other and support each other in, where, in areas where you feel like you fall short. It's a rough road to healing and unlearning parts of yourself that no longer serve you. So don't let self-sabotage gatekeep you from receiving the love you deserve and the loving relationship you've always wanted. The opinions of podcast creators, hosts, and guests are not necessarily reflective of the official stance of the Pod Network Entertainment, its hosts, or other network programs. The content created by the people behind the podcast is personal and not meant to harm any religion, ethnicity, group, organization, company, or individual.